UK prison horror stories podcast. I think it was one of the first ones we ever did. Five, number five. Number five. If you didn't see it, it is in the description box below the video as our links to all of other Pepsi stuff, his new YouTube channel, and all of his other mission links are down there. So please support his important work campaigning to end this insane and torturous IPP sentencing regime, which they had you fall through the cracks again, didn't they? they, they, they um, you got in a situation. Why don't you update the viewers then how your life has been since we did our, we are, our last chat? And thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem. It's a pleasure and a privilege to be here as always. Uh, it's great to see you. Great to see everybody here at the studio. Um, there's been so much that's happened since that true crime podcast. That's when you had started uh, the true crime podcast. It seems like such a long time ago now, doesn't it? How long it? ago was it? It was December 2018. And I, at that time, I had just been released on... My, it had been my second release from the IPP sentence. I'd just spent uh, two years on recall. So I'd just been released from Winchester Prison. And the so I'd already done the original tariff that I got, which was one year, 10 months in 2006. I'd already spent a number of years in custody, and then I'd been out for a number of years. And the time that I'd spent in custody, I had... Completed all the offender behavior courses. Um, I'd completed all the, what they call core risk reduction work, which is the offender behavior courses that one has to complete to address the risk, the, the perceived risk that, that, that you pose uh, to get it down enough for the pro board to release you. Um, I had an exemplary prison disciplinary record. I completed all the courses. I'd started to educate myself. I'd done um, quite a long time in therapy on the wrapped wing at HMP Wayland, and I'd been released, and, and, and I'd been out for those number of years. And in those number of years that I was out, I I I carried on the 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 kind of change, uh, the transformation in my life, and I worked. I worked in hospitality. I, I worked at some of the. The, the biggest hospitality companies in, in the country. I worked at Mitchell and Butler, Whitbread, Cafe Rouge. I eventually secured employment under Rick Stein, who's who's a very well 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 known, world famous chef on down on the Sandbanks Peninsula. Um, but during during those first few years, I also did GCSEs. I trained in adult health and social care counselling. Um, I did some practitioner work. Um, and the, initially the hospitality thing was just was just you know to kind of pay the bills but i ended up really enjoying it sean and it just gave me a wonderful life and when the when when the when the sun was setting on the south coast there at the sandbanks peninsula um in the rick steins theater um it, 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 you know in just hundreds of people in this in this restaurant um I just felt like I was on top of the world. It, it gave me the opportunity to showcase um, the, the 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 skills and attributes and talents that I had that I'd never been able to put to good use out in the real world. So it was incredible. It was amazing. And prison was a distant memory. I never, ever thought I would go back. Um, I, w I was not involved in any criminal activities or anything like that. 
And so I ended up getting recalled because I met a woman. Um, she's before we go there. So you had a YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. You'd relocated with the help of a viewer. Yeah. Are you okay to talk about that? Relocated. Sorry. Didn't you move to London from the coast? Yeah, this is after I got recalled, so I'm just kind of building up to that. Oh, sorry. Now, sorry. Yeah, okay, yeah, no, okay, no, okay. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I'll get to yeah, that, yeah. yeah? Okay, go. So um, I, I got I got recalled because uh, I, I met a lady. She's a, a, a professional lady, a dentist, and the, the probation service were telling me that I had to tell her that I was an IPP, and uh, I was kind of telling her about my background and my life in my own time, And uh, but they, they kind of forced the issue and, and, and kind of made me, made me tell her. Do you, want, um, do you want to explain to the viewers what an IPP prisoner is? So an IPP prisoner, there's a lot of propaganda about this uh, because of the, 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 the systematic deflecting away from the injustice of the sentence. So basically, the IPP sentence um, was, was, was brought out um, and used as a political weapon uh, to nail down the 2005 general election. Um, it was Tony Blair, Jack Straw, David Blunkett, Ben Faulkner, all these, um, you know, top top politicians who who kind of stole the the risk based sentencing idea from the Americans uh, to secure the um, predominantly white middle class vote in, in, in the UK. Um, it's very effective, uh, tough on crime, tough on the causes of crime, um, and they they brought out this sentence. So um, the. Since then, it's been said that, you know, this sentence is for the most dangerous offenders convicted of the most serious offences. But um, this is this is actually not true, Sean, because at that time in 2005 and still today in 2021, there already existed a sentence for uh, the most dangerous offenders convicted of the most serious offences, which, which is a mandatory life sentence with a chunky, meaty, double-figure tariff uh, of 30 years, 35 years. Um, the, the, the most dangerous offenders convicted of the most serious offences are not short tariff PPs with a five-month tariff for stealing a mobile phone who've now been locked up for 16 years um, of indefinite um, detention, um, th th those kind of dangerous offenders, the, the most dangerous, are all serving 30, 35-year-plus mandatory uh, life sentences locked up safely away in the high-secure Category A dispersal cluster. Um, so it, it, it's just not true that that it was for the most serious offences. So um, the, the Tony Blair um, and the new Labour Blair government, they widened the net. They widened the net and the scope of offences that you could get this new IPP life sentence for. Um, it replaced a sentence that was called an automatic life sentence, so two strikes and out, um, which meant that if you got sentenced twice for a crime that carried a life sentence, you would get an automatic life sentence um, a, a, with a tariff of a number of years, a minimum term, the punitive element. So um, the, 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 the range of offences that you could get the old automatic life sentence for would be like a GBH Section 18 malicious wounding, an attempted murder, a manslaughter, a firearms, explosives, rape, uh, robbery. Um, so the new Labour Blair government, they abolished that and they widened the net to 157 uh, offences. Um, offences... Um, like assault with intent to rob or, or offences that uh, only carry a number of years as a maximum sentence. They took all the discretion away from the judges. 
all of it, 100%. And they told the judge, and the, the, everyone told them not to do it. All the think tanks told them not to do it. The Sainsbury Center for Mental Health, um, a lot of close aides to Tony Blair told them, do not do this. It will lead to catastrophic mass injustice. It will lead to people spending way too long in prison um, than, than they should do. It will lead to, to, to huge suffering. And, uh, and they went ahead with it and did it anyway. They took all the discretionary uh, discretion away from the, the judges and they told all the judges in Crown Courts in England and Wales, if anybody comes up into your Crown Court for any of these 157 offences, uh, you, you will give them a, a life sentence uh, with a minimum term. So it's like, is it a 99-year thing that's hung over your head? Yeah, it's, it's a life sentence, an indeterminate sentence. You have no right to release other than via a, a parole board. Um, uh, who, who has to decide whether you're fit to be released. So then what happened? We had a devastating influx of over 8,700 IPPs into an already overcrowded, dilapidated penal system in England and Wales. Um, the, 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 the IPPs, short tariff IPPs, flooded the BCAT local prisons all around England and Wales, and it just clogged up the system and and we've never recovered as a criminal justice penal system. We've never ever recovered. Wow. All right. So you said you yeah, and you met a woman. I met a woman. Um, yeah, amazing woman. I met a woman. Um, I was living a dream. Uh, as a life beyond my wildest dreams. And I'd earned it, Sean. You know, it took me over a decade of working on myself, uh, being the best version of myself that I possibly could be. Um, working minimum wage, living in little box rooms, working and. You know, and and then um, I told her. So I told her. I sat her down and told her that I was an IPP and that I'd I'd robbed two hundred pounds from a shop with a knife. And uh, unfortunately, her mother would not accept the relationship and back in book arrest. And um, she she told her to end end the the relationship. And um, and then I I relapsed. I failed two drug tests and I was recalled. And I was recalled to the cesspit of humanity that was HMP Winchester. Um, when the police officers turned up, I didn't know what they wanted. Um, I told them to come in, um, and then they, they 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 detained me and said, "You you're at large. You've been recalled." And I still couldn't believe it. What year was this? This was uh, December 2016. I went into Winchester Prison. Uh, it was. Uh, a horror show, a cesspit of humanity, a mental health epidemic of uh, proportions never seen before, a drug epidemic of proportions never seen before. There was um, people hanging, um, dying uh, for suicides. Uh, uh, self, that this self harm thing was it was just massive. Um, in the screaming you could hear in the night times of the delirium of people losing their mind. We were locked up for twenty three and a half hours a day. Um, we were hardly ever coming out of our cells. Uh, it was it was hot when we got to the summer. Uh, the violence there was just incredible. But what what I saw there was a scale of suffering that that has stayed with me. Um, something I've never witnessed before. Sorry, one sec. You've knocked your shirt collar up on one side. Oh, the the prison shirt. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, cheers. Okay. Uh, so. Yeah, the, the scale of suffering. Um, so if you imagine the first few years that I'd done in custody, uh, uh, the majority of which over tariff, um, of that one year, 10 month tariff I got, um, coming out, I'd been out for all those years. Um, I'm now witnessing, Sean, short tariff IPPs with six or nine or 12 or 15 month tariffs or two year tariffs 
in their 11th, 12th, 13th year, um, who've been locked up this whole time, um, and they're skinny, uh, they're grey, gaunt, uh, like skeletons. There's, there's, there's just this soulless, dead, black look in their eye. There's nothing there. They are covered in the most horrific self-harm scars that I've ever seen in my life, like from top to bottom. They're carving chunks out of their legs. Um, one's carving chunks out of his genitals, losing his mind in the healthcare unit. They're being sectioned to high-secure um, uh, 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 hospitals. Um, and I was a Samaritan's listener. I trained as a Samaritan's listener. I mean, but that didn't happen overnight. I was on hunger strikes. I, I was battling my own um, um, deterioration and mental health with the hopelessness and the despair attributed to, to, to not having a release date and being in prison without committing a crime and this endless nature of the sentence. Um, and I was going in cells at two, three, four in the morning with 35 year prison officer veterans who, 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 who had never seen a scale of suffering either. Um, I was, I was, so I started to kind of legally, um, fight against my predicament because I could never uh, accept or understand being in custody indefinitely without committing an offense and for them to justify them taking me off the street for, for no other reason than two drug tests, um, failed drug tests, they kind of inflated the risk um, and, and, and kind of um, exaggerated the, 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 um, the, the, the wordings in the risk Oasis risk assessment reports. So I started to challenge stuff and started to come up with evidence. So, for example, in their reports, they'd say, I would have no work history. And I would get all my references from top restaurants and say, well, this is not actually true. Could you, you know, here's the references and the evidence. Do you mind um, um, amending that factual error? And the more the evidence that I provided um, to challenge their, their sort of ever-evolving, fictitious, malicious, slanderous risk assessment reports, um, the more dangerous they would claim I would be. Um, and the more these risks, the more these risks went went up it was just incredible um and it got to the point uh, throughout 2017 and 2018 where, where i'm stuck in this trap of the parole board procedure with adjournments and stuff that they um were now assessing me as more dangerous than i was when i got the ipp sentence even though i've been recalled without committing a crime exemplary prison disciplinary record years in the community without committing further serious harm and they were assessing me as more dangerous than I ever had been. And ever, ever since this started to happen to me, I just couldn't take this, 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 this theory, this philosophy, this system seriously anymore. And, and plus what I was witnessing happening with my brothers around me with, who were dying with, with this horrendous sentence. And uh, I had a six-hour parole board hearing. Um, I sat similar to this, three judges. I sat there with a solicitor. Um, and uh, the, the the judges the judges um, questioned the the probation officers on these supposedly high risk risk assessments to say I'm so dangerous. And um, every so my my probation officer at that time spoke for one hour. Um, a theme emerged from his dialogue within that hour as he was talking. Um, the, the 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 respected judicial members of the parole board um, who, who questioned him. And um, every time they questioned him on specifics, um, like the work history and stuff, and the discrepancies that I provided evidence for, a, a theme emerged within his dialogue throughout that hour, which kind of went along the lines of, 
I'll have to get back to you on that one, Your Honour. Um, I'll have to ch double check with my colleagues at Bournemouth Probation on that one. Um, I'm not actually sure about that. Um, it, it's like this is someone's life. Um, it's not, you weren't going to a football match, mate. This is like someone's life. And, um, but they, they just appear exempt from accountability. Um, and, and he just kind of sat there with this kind of air of arrogance that he, he didn't, he, you know, he'd written these reports to keep me detained for these two years, but didn't really have to come up with any evidence when all was said and done, uh, you know, at the parole hearing. So they released me and they released me to the Bournemouth Probation Hostel in Bournemouth. Um, they released me. 225 miles away from my home, from 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 my mother and stuff, um, and I was stuck in this hostel for six months. That was August 2018 when I came out of there, and that's when I met you. And we did the true crime podcast number five, UK prison horror stories. Yeah. So there's the backstory, folks. And I've had lots of people just messaging in, "What is the latest with Pepsi? What's going on?" Because there was a reincarnation reincarceration i'm going to get to the cause of that now yeah cheers sean so i mean i came out of winchester um and i i was not um a happy chappy the the first release in, in may 2011 um uh, and the emotion of it the elation of it that first release and it was a hot day, the first release and it was like the films you know like the gate opening and the sun and you know, just this incredible, credible, surreal feeling, like a movie. Uh, when I came out of Winchester, after what I went through there, what I endured there, what I witnessed there, I came out and I walked out the gate and uh, I just felt nothing. I, I, I felt nothing, um, nothing at all. And I, I went to this hostel and before I left, I watched um, the Stephen Lawrence documentary. I watched Baroness Doreen Lawrence on the third part and she said something very profound that resonated with me and, 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 and really impacted me, which was she said that you will never get to the bottom of corruption um, because they, the London Met or, 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 or the state in that regard, uh, won't allow it. And she was crying and I saw this broken woman who'd fought for over a quarter of a century for justice for her, her son Stephen. And, uh, and I watched that and uh, I listened to her words and my kind of attitude, Sean, was... I thought, well, well, we'll see about that. We'll see about that. Um, and I came out, um, and 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 I just started. I I just started talking about what I'd seen, but I, I intentionally ad, uh, adopted an unorthodox activism approach, activist style, um, which was kind of uh, a new breed of kind of cutting edge digital media content, talking about the sentence. And talking about things that I've seen and the corruption involved with the report writing and the forensic psychologist report writing. Um, and um, I started talking about it outside Westminster, Speaker's Corner. Um, and then I would spend, you know, a lot of time um, um, cutting down these the, the, that content into clips and putting them online and stuff. And, and just trying to shake up the criminal justice system. Um, I think I was a bit naive at, at, at the time. Um, but whilst I was in in custody, um, the the I'd, I'd made a complaint against the the state um, um, forensic psychologist who the parole board had 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 um, instructed to undertake a systematic inquiry of risk uh, 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 of my supposed dangerousness, and I refused to see her. I only saw her f for ten minutes, just because the officer asked me to go down and speak to her and tell her that I wasn't going to see her. So I went down there 
while I was on the recall to go and see her, I said, I'm not going to see you. I'm a political prisoner. I haven't committed a crime. The, the sentence is banned at Strasbourg. Everybody knows it's wrong. I am a Rick Steins professional. I've transformed my life around beyond anyone's expectations. So I, I, I don't um, recognize the legality of me be, of me needing to see you. She then wrote a 35-page report assessing me in as Im an imminent threat to life and limb with weapons, intimidation, and violence, um, and, and that I'm a, a high risk of serious harm, which is life and limb, or, or, or trauma, which is lifelong and near impossible to recover from. Um, and uh, that was sent to the parole board. That kept me in longer and made it more difficult for me to get out. And uh, so I'd pursued complaints about this, Sean, through the correct and proper channels, through the HCPC, which is the Healthcare Professionals Council, which is the regulatory body that monitors the safeguarding and uh, uh, practice, uh, safe safe practice of forensic psychologists. They're, they're independent, they're not state affiliated. And um, they they recognized and acknowledged and decided that there was a case to, to investigate with, with, with this particular forensic psychologist, which they don't do lightly. So I had this legal situation going on. Um, by this time, I'd moved up to London. Um, I was in South London. I was staying in a charity house. I was setting up the studio. I'd done the podcast with you. I had an overwhelming, incredible response. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, <clears throat> I was still inundated with messages. I was um, appearing on Sky News, um, on, on prisons. Um, I was appearing on RT UK. We were reporting on stuff like Julian Assange, and um, I was meeting great journalists. I was on ITV. Um, I started attending council meetings, uh, talking about knife crime, gun crime, and stuff like that, uh, working with, um, or, or just kind of getting to know like local community civic leaders and stuff. It was really interesting. My life was amazing. Um, it was, it was, I had a, an amazing life in London. Um, I was climbing mountains. I was climbing up like Snowden, raising awareness of, of, of IPP suicides. But I was now starting to talk about other stuff, you know, um, because prison is a microcosm of society and, 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 and what we see in prison is quite often reflected in the wider society spectrum. So I started talking about uh, mental health out in the community, self-harming and suicides with teenagers, um, discrimination, homelessness, mental health, like all, all these other issues. Um, and everywhere I went around the, 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 the UK, um, I, I saw suffering and I saw injustice everywhere I went. Um, I was visiting prisoners and patients in high secure hospitals like Broadmoor and Rampton. I was sitting in CPA meetings with leading practitioners with deaf um, IPPs or IPPs with, with with learning difficulties and stuff like um, generating support with them and trying to raise awareness for their for their cases with no resources. You know, I had no resources. It was very difficult, um, but it, it, it was amazing. Um, there, there was no better feeling and nothing more that made me feel alive and um, than, than, than you know traveling up to, to Nottingham or and, and, and sitting in, in a room and meeting you know a partially deaf short terrified pp's been locked up for 15 years mm. um and, and 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 just hugging them and sharing coffee and food with them is it was it was amazing um i loved it and um so yeah that th that was my life was going fine um i i uh i there's a couple of things that happened. I mean, my videos, podcasts and stuff, they're very high approval ratings. Um, I never really hardly used to get negative comments or anything like that. Um, but after the Julian Assange thing, you know, I kind of attracted um, some kind of 
attention that that felt quite sinister is the way I can describe it. Um, I really felt that the best way I can describe it, Sean, is that I'd kind of now entered a kind of realm that was was quite sinister because I could kind of feel it in, in the air and in the energy. Um, and the then Home Secretary and still now Home Secretary, Pretty Patel, she made a tweet. She did a tweet on Twitter and she said she would like all criminals to feel terror. Um, it's quite a hardline approach, you know, that you've got this debate, you know, she's, she's pro death penalty and stuff. Um, and, uh, this caused a lot of controversy. So I retweeted her tweet on my Twitter at the time. And I said, okay, no problem. Um, you want all criminals to feel terror. Um, do you mean, um, your rich banker, uh, corrupt friends, um, your, your fraudulent friends who 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 have um, defrauded the the good British citizens out of hundreds of thousands of millions of pounds, like Jeffrey Cox QC. Um, do you also mean uh, VIP Westminster linked um, paedophile rings, or do you, are you just on about uh, poor black kids from Peckham? And uh, it kind of w- it went like viral. This tweet, um, and it, my phones and devices were just buzzing. <laughs> And uh, I, I, you know, I had this huge backlash, which just kind of evolved into, you know, like death threats, and um, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to rape your mum and oh, gang rape your daughter, and all, all this kind of stuff, and um, sending samurai swords to my emails and stuff, and um, that that was quite. Um, it wasn't a very nice experience, and I, I just didn't know it was like twelve year old kids in their mum's house with an iPhone six or. Like credible threats to life, uh, it's a quite, quite, quite difficult thing to go through. But um, generally, things other than that, things are going really well. And um, I was then hauled in to Lambeth Probation, um, and I was given a final warning straight off the bat for for um, being accused of harassment against the the psychologist. Um, it's very unorthodox. Normally you'd get kind of a, a speaking to a verbal warning or maybe a phone call. Um, you know, we've had this report, like what what's going on. Um, but they just hauled me in. Um, they gave me a final warning straight off the bat, uh, for, for, for making complaints through the correct and proper channels against the psychologist. I've never contacted the lady, nor would I, when I did meet her after what she did to me, I was kind and loving. I introduced her to my mother. Um, so yeah, she, they, they, it was just strange. And I, I said to my probation, how can you give me a final warning for making a complaint through the correct and proper channels, number one? And number two, this is historical. That's totally Kafkaesque. It's, it's, it's historical. You, you know, like I haven't even been in touch with the HCPC for ages because I've been too busy. Um, so uh, he said it's from above. Technicality. That's he what said they it's use from above. technicality to get you. He said it's from above. And um, I don't know if he's lying, um, but that's what he said. He said it's from above. <clears throat> excuse me so i left there dumbfounded i didn't know kind of what to think of it it was very confusing but i just tried to continue on with my life and then doing a lot of consultancy work um very busy i was studying as well completing more modules from a degree my bachelor of arts with the open university he hauled me back into probation five weeks later now, I remember at this time in Lambeth Probation, I had nine probation officers in a 17-month period that I was out. I had nine probation officers. They were unreachable as a point of contact. I have over 12, 13 emails, um, all regarding like trying to go home and visit my mom or something to do with Open University, something to do with accommodation, education or training or you know something positive. They never applied to me. 
you could never get through at the reception at Lambeth Probation. Um, and it was, it was just horrendous. It was horrendous. I could never get through to them. Um, that I couldn't get back home to see my mum because they were taking an average of um, seven to nine weeks to sign it off. Um, and, 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 and so I, they were preventing me from going home and really kind of pushing me on my civil liberties. And, um, and, and yeah, they hauled me back in there again, the same, the same probation officer. Um, and he gave me another final warning straight off the bat without ever contacting me. Um, and I, I, I keep emphasizing that, Sean, because the protocol is, you know, if there's any issues on, on the life license, then there's a procedure and a protocol, which is to um, liaise with the professionals that you may be working with at the time. So I was working with therapists, I had a recovery support worker, um, I had a, 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 a manager um, in that charity house that I was working, that I was living at, sorry, and uh, and but none of them were contacted. You know, this protocol wasn't wasn't uh, unfortunately um, honoured. Um, so he gave me a second final warning for a YouTube video, which was my response video to the Channel 4 Crime and Punishment series about Winchester Prison. And I made a response video talking about uh, my opinion about why I didn't agree with some of the content and the narrative. So the filmmakers at the prison, they showed Aaron Harris, who's a short terrified PP. He's been locked up 13, 14 years. And he, they were talking about amputating his leg because he's just carving chunks out of it. He's skinny like a skeleton or gaunt um, with bags under his eyes. And I, I used to, when I was a listener, Samaritan's listener in Winchester, I used to go and talk to him. So I know his case very well. And I know his situation very well. And the filmmakers at the film company, they they were they were showing images of Sarah Payne, um, who was raped and murdered, an eight-year-old girl in, in this country in the early noughties by a, a paedophile called Roy Whiting. And they showed these images and then they switched to the images of, of Aaron Harris. And they, they created the, the the narrative to the viewer that all short terrified PPs, you know, if you dare to let them out, um, you know, that at any time they could go on a on a child rape spree and, and start executing and raping young girls, which is I know is not true, right? Um, and I didn't agree with it, so I, I made a response video. The response video was powerful; it was cutting edge. Um, and uh, the, the, there was an extract, and he, the probation officer, read the extract out, and the the extract was. I'd said on the video, my mission is to wipe the disease of IPP off the face of the earth. And um, he, was, he, he was saying that this is, the, I'm causing um, psychological harm to society, which meets the threshold of serious harm um, <sighs> and lifelong trauma. Uh, and, and I was in there not even 10 minutes. I mean, he didn't even give me a chance to explain or anything. And then, and then I left. And um, <clears throat> then he recalled me. He recalled me back to custody. He recalled me, what he started to do. Um, and I know there's been a lot of like, you know, uh, rumors and stuff like that. So I'll put a record straight, like this is what happened. Um, so I'd had those two final warnings, but I'm now losing my mind, Sean, like uh, the, the, the living with the psychological terror of the threat of another indefinite recall without committing a crime, if that's not enough on its own. I'm now on two final warnings. So I'm now, you know, maneuvering through London thinking, you know, at any time I can be locked up. Um, so I just kind of stayed in my flat. I just stayed indoors. 
Um, I was still shooting podcasts. I was still going out feeding the homeless. When you look back on those vlogs now, you can't really see the pain I'm in because I kind of covered it up quite well and I wasn't really talking about it with anyone. I wasn't really talking about it with people that I love and care about. I was just suffering with it on my own. Um, it's horrendous. I became like suicidal. I felt like um, there's one night like I was down near Chelsea Bridge and I really, I was looking over the side and I was looking over the side at the water and it was very inviting um, uh, thinking about, you know, like maybe jumping off this bridge and and and, and that kind of comfort and feeling um, of escaping this, this kind of never ending torture, you know, like uh, the psychological torture of this sentence and all the confusion around not knowing why, why I'm getting these silly warnings. Um, so the probation officer, what he started to do, he started to f make phone calls to anybody and anyone that he's got phone numbers for in my life. So there was a girl that I dated in the summer, um, a girl that messaged me on Instagram, um, a girl that I didn't know. I took her on a few dates around London. I treated her like a perfect gentleman the, the, the whole time I was with her. I never raised my voice to her. I took her on um, you know, nice walks around around uh, London. I took her for ice cream, coffee, went to Hyde Park. Um, and I always made sure she got home, like home back to where she lived. And she, she, my probation officer only had her phone number. Such was my open and transparent collaborative attitude in supervision with probation officers. Um, so he started ringing her, asking loaded questions, you know, um, what was he like? Um, was he any trouble? And, uh, on the recall paperwork, it said that she'd said that I was a bit controlling and uh, he pushed the button and recalled me on that. He, that's what he pushed the button on. And he managed to extract like a, a, a one screenshot out of her, out of a possible, I don't know, four or 500 uh, over the times that we'd communicated on WhatsApp. And, um, you know, he, he extracted this screenshot out of her. Um, I now know it was, it, it was quite predatory what he'd done. He kind of preyed on a woman who was hurting um, because I'd rejected her. I went to a, a wedding in Northwest London in Harlesden. I remember the last time I saw her, I failed my exams, I had to do a reset, and I stood at the bottom of the escalator at London Bridge Station, and I told her, um, I can't be in a relationship with you anymore. Like, I'm sorry. Um, and she she was devastated, you know, and that was the last time I saw her. Um, that, 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 was, that was all I did wrong. Um, uh, you know, again, this is historical, because this is months later, Sean, and he's ringing her from months before. Um, he's pushed the button on recall, um, I, wore, I attended my probation appointment, my last one on the 6th, <clears throat> excuse me, 6th of January, 2020. I went down there on time, punctual, as normal, well presented uh, with my progress update list. Um, you know, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I've been on Sky News, uh, London councils, I'm climbing mountains, I'm studying, I'm smashing it. And um, which it was like they didn't like. It was it was like they didn't like it, that, 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 that I'm just excelling and flourishing it was like they they didn't like it um I, I went into the probation appointment um i went in there with my new partner at that time who was a barrister she'd been a barrister for 25 years and um up until that moment when i walked in there i'd not breached any of my license conditions in the 17 months that i've been out sean and um he was acting really shifty answering the phone with one word answers twice on, after the second phone call, he was like, right, you've got to go. He said, about your next appointment, he said, I'm flexible. We'll say like a couple of weeks. Um, the barrister tried to shake his hand. He refused. He wouldn't shake her hand. 
And um, and then I walked out there and there's five police officers and they handcuffed me. Mm. And uh, I just couldn't believe it. I was distraught, you know. My partner was crying. The female police officer said to me, she said, we know you're not a bad person. Um, they locked me up in the back of this van and put me in Brixton Police Station. And then the next day I was in uh, HMP Thameside and then I spent the next year uh, locked up in a cell. Yeah, locked up in a cell, the majority of which in solitary confinement. Yeah. That was last year, all through last year. What's Brixton Police Station like these days? Busy, very busy, uh, big, um, lots of activity, lots going on. Got a, lo a lot of like knife and gun crime in that, that area. You've got a big command center down there in Lambeth somewhere that you see on the police documentary shows where they kind of control and monitor and observe what's going on in Brixton with the CCTV and then directing with, with, with their comms uh, channels, you know, the units to the ground and helicopters and armed police and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, it's quite quite interesting stuff, really. But, um, yeah, they locked lock me up in, um, in, 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 in Thameside saying, and then I got the recall paperwork. Uh, I was recalled for uh, pursuing uh, complaints against the forensic psychologist through the correct and proper channels. Uh, they're accusing me of harassment. Uh, the YouTube video, the response video to the uh, Channel 4 um, uh, Crime and Punishment series, um, I'm going to wipe the disease of IPP off the face of the earth. And because uh, uh, a girl I dated said I was a bit controlling, yeah, they, they, they recalled me. Uh, for oh, those. Waste of taxpayers' money? Yeah, yeah, it is waste of taxpayers' money, yeah. So anyone else who's arrested then, you go in front of a judge and you get, you know, you try and bail out and then you have like all these hearings where motions are filed on both sides and then you have a sentencing I'm sorry, you have a trial or a plea bargain and then like a sentencing. So if you're recalled for as an IPP, do you get to go to court and present your side of the story or anything like that? Or is it just a done deal? So that report that I mentioned with those three reasons on for recall, the YouTube, uh, I'm a bit controlling and making a complaint, that is the be all and end all. Uh, I mean, it's the it's the holy gospel, you know. It's the be all and end all uh, part A recall report. So you don't get there's no opportunity for you to get a lawyer to, to present your side of the story. The first and only opportunity for me to challenge the appropriateness of the recall, the reasonableness of the recall, the lawfulness of the recall, and the lawfulness of the ongoing detention and the information in that part A recall report will be at a parole board hearing which could be between one and two or even more years um, from the day that I get recalled. Um, if on the day of the parole hearing, it comes to fruition that the information contained in that part A recall report, which is none of it is, is verified at the time. Um, if it comes to fruition at the parole board hearing, that, that information is false. Um, there's no accountability on the probation service. They're completely exempt from accountability. Um, you're re-released without an apology, um, and, uh, uh, and that's it. Now, the problem is, is, is that like people who know the intricacies of the system know this. Um, so I put myself on offer, Sean. You know, putting myself all over the internet and uh, you know talking about these issues, um, uh, making enemies in the civil service, uh, making enemies in the national probation service. Um, they don't like it that I, that I have an opinion. They don't like it that I challenge. Um, the, 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 their system um, they don't like it I challenge the political order 
Um, they don't like it. You know, it's like, how dare you have an opinion? Um, you're not allowed an opinion. You're an ex-prisoner. And um, I, I just don't know. I, I had a whole year to think about this. You know, um, was it political? Was it in-house? Um, was the guy instructed to shut me down? It doesn't make any sense. Um, my solicitor, Dean Kingham, who is a former parole judicial member, um, he, he's he's the creme de la creme. He is, you know, leading leading uh, prison law solicitors up there with si Simon Creighton in England and Wales. As soon as he read my recall paperwork, he said, "This is a stitch up recall. Totally. Um, it, it doesn't make no sense." Um, and uh, so I've had to kind of battle with this, um, you know, the the, the the uncertainty and the not knowing um, who made the the order to shut me down and silence me. Um, I was recalled indefinitely without for, for just having an opinion. Um, going back to your original question, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, at this juncture in 2021, um, I can be um, detained on the street without committing an offence. I can be locked up indefinitely, in theory, potentially for the rest of my life. And the reason that I'm here today talking about it on the true crime podcast with you, Sean Atwood. And the reason that despite the suffering uh, uh, of myself uh, 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 and that my life is continuously being ripped apart by talking about this sentence, the reason that I keep talking about this, this issue is so that it, it, it is because th that could happen to you. If it can happen to me, it can happen to you. It could happen to the next generation. So I'm trying to, trying to talk about it so that, so, so people understand, you know, we've got now 1,400 IPPs on recall, plus the 2,100, 2,200 who've never been released. Nearly all of them are over tariff now. Um, so you've got 3,500 people locked up in England and Wales serving IPP sentences that were banned at Strasbourg, the highest court on the continent, condemned as arbitrary, inhumane. Um, and just in the last couple of weeks after a report by the Prison Reform Trust, um, Amnesty International have now broke ranks. They were previously um, um, not willing to make a comment. They've now broke ranks and condemned the British government for this arbitrary sentence um, and, 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 and said that they need to release the, these prisoners. Um, the, the year that I was in, that I just spent in custody, gone. What was the day you arrived in HMP Thameside and what was it like? I arrived there on the 7th of January 2020. Um, it's horrendous. Uh, you immediately on lockdown, 23 and a half hour bang up because of the gangs. You got all the gangs from s South London, like Brixton 6-7 gang members um, who, who, who have all got um, beef and um, issues with other, other gangs, postcode wars and stuff like this. So you're, you're, you're all separated and you're brought out a handful at a time to go onto the exercise yard on the induction unit. On du Induction unit is is is, 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 is standard uh, 23 and a half hour lockdown until you get moved onto the, the, the other wings. Um, what security level were you in the beginning? So I'm, I'm, I'm still classed as a, as a CCAT, a CCAT, CCAT prisoner. So did you get assigned to your own cell? No, they put me in a double cell. Um, I had all these different cellmates coming and going. They're all smoking Black Mamba Spice. So your first cellmate, who? what was that like? Um, my first cellmate was actually a guy from Estonia. He was really cool. Um, and we just spent the night like talking about my activism. And we were talking about, uh, he's, he's very charismatic and funny. 
And he was just trying to, he was just saying, you need to stop, man. You need to stop. Nelson Mandela, he, he already sacrificed for us, man. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's just really funny. Yeah. 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 So, um, how long was he in with you for? Uh, just a couple of days. And then I got some other guy from Essex. Um, <laughs> he was just really chilled out and, uh, but I was shell shocked. I mean, I was just in a state of like, I'm shocked, you know, um, where, 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 where I'm just, I, I can't really comprehend what's happening to me. I've now been locked up, uh, twice now for, without committing a crime. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's really challenging. Um, my mental health deteriorated straight away. I'd only been in there four days. Um, it, it, I got moved to the unit, the main unit, C lowers. I was on that unit one day, and the guy above, above in a cell, um, he cut his throat. Uh, he bled out in the cell. Um, his cellmate got arrested for murder. Then he said it was suicide. Was it murder? Was it suicide? I mean, who knows? You know, who, who knows what the truth is in these you know, with these things that happen in these deep, dark corners uh, of the British penal system. But he died. Um, you know, all the police and the ambulances were there. Uh, you could see them out the window. I knew it was something heavy um, because of the, the, the amount of, of vehicles, um, emergency response vehicles. So he died. Um, there was... Uh, I, I, initially, initially, I coped with it. What happened? Initially, I coped with it quite well because I was sending you some writing that I was doing. Like Initially, I coped with it quite well. I managed to get onto the education thing on the business, uh, uh, business um, uh, class. And uh, it was all like 18, 20 year olds, uh, the, these young kids from London. And um, so I, I just started kind of like mentoring them stuff and, and, and trying to help them. And um, not by telling them what to do, but just by listening to them, Sean, and trying to understand their psychology and try and understand um, kind of where they're at um, at, at this time in their life. And I started writing it all down. I started investigating and writing down about the drill scene, the London drill scene. And uh, j j like basically, I kind of concluded uh, uh, and determined that that on the whole, the London drill scene is, is a positive thing in a sense of it, it's given p an abandoned youth in modern Britain a, a collective voice where, where where they can where they can um, you know say in the mainstream the struggles that they're going through. So I kind of saw it as a positive thing. Yeah, we had Skang though and AM on. I watched this. it. I watched yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, I watched it a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. and. Um, I was deeply troubled, you know, by by listening to these kids' stories that um, that that walk into the sh shop with your mum. You can, uh, eighteen years old in in your own area, you can end up um, being murdered. Any of the stories that particularly like struck you that you can remember? Yeah, it was it, it, that basically that that these kids at eighteen years old uh, uh, are risking murder. To walk to the shop, Sean, risking murder, and and they're not because of postcode wars over the illegal drugs market created by government policy. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and again, you know, these 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 examples, these real life examples that 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 are causing um, this harm and impacting children uh, 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 for lifelong periods um, where they can't get their education. Um, because of of our ridiculous counterproductive draconian drug laws, you know, um, and I just found it fascinating. And look, I know, I know when I see a bad kid. Yeah, I know. I, I've been locked up in prisons all over England. I've been locked up in secure units, young offenders institutions, prisons, dangerous prisons. I've seen a lot of violence. 
a lot of death, suicide, bloodshed. I've seen a lot of abuse, systematic abuse, torture. And I know when I see a bad kid, and these kids were not bad kids. Um, Thameside was full of kids in prison for possession of a knife. What's the sentence for that usually? It could range like um, two years, a year, 18 months, a year. They might get caught with a bit of weed as well, um, you know. Um, but I couldn't believe, I've never seen anything like it. The, the volume of children in prison for possession of a knife, I've never seen anything like it. Um, and now they're in the prison. They're, they're in the prison now. Our young offenders institutions, I see a lot of kids coming from Feltham. So our young offenders institutions in England and Wales, I mean, they've been churning out a conveyor belt of, of lifetime uh, chronic recidivists for decades. Um, and this kind of um, medieval type survivalism um, of child brutality and violence that we see today in 2021 in Felton Young Offenders Institution, it's not that different from 120, 130 years ago. It just isn't. It's just not, it's not that much. Different. How are the prisoners on the Black Mamba Spice behaving? Um, the Black Mamba Spice uh, uh, problem in the modern British penal system is an epidemic. Um, it's, they, they cannot control it. Um, it's, 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 it's a highly potent fish tranquilizer drug that immediately comatoses people if they take too much of it. Um, Did you see that? Uh, yeah, I see it with my cellmate. He was smoking it all the time. Um, Which summit was that? The, the, when I was on sea lowers, they put me in another double cell with, with this guy smoking, smoking tea bags and, and spice. And I kept telling him to to stop smoking. I don't want it in, in, in the cell with me. And he kept doing it. Then I'm arguing with him. Uh, it was just horrible. Yeah. Uh, but so how do you negotiate that? Because it's like it's just disrespectful. It's in your face. But he wants to do it. Does that end up in a fighting situation, or are you you just trying to like calm it down? Um, with me. With me, I kind of suppress things um, and I, I can be quite passive sometimes and it'll build up and build up and build up. And then I'll go from like passive to like aggressive. Um, although, I mean, I won't be violent, but I, I, I will. I will. You can only be pushed so far before if that's in your face because you're getting the contact high off it probably. Yeah, I mean, the windows, there's no windows because they don't open, you know, then they're kind of blocked up as well and they're just little holes. You know, so he's smoking this this tea bag with black mamba and zoning out on the bed, and uh, I'm just sitting at the desk writing. I'm just writing nonstop, writing, and I'm reading Malcolm X and uh, and writing. And um, it, yeah, it, it's uh, um, he ended up having a fit in the cell, like a like a fit on the spice, and all the all, all the TV got broken and stuff. And he was headbutting the TV, or he was he just went crazy in the cell, and he was just saying that the Germans are coming. <laughs> <laughs> what, what race was he? Uh, he was uh, he's a white kid from Peckham. Called, <laughs> called, <laughs> called Ratface, yeah, from Peckham. Rat yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> did, did you get rid of him because he wigged out? Uh, there was did, a, did they take him away in a straitjacket? Yeah, he he he. I told him he needs to leave actually, and he and he did go to the office with his stuff and say that he wants to come out the cell. And uh, you know, I repeatedly been asking the officers, can I can I move? And they were just like, nah, everyone wants a single cell. The prison is so overcrowded now that they're putting everyone in double cells, Sean. Um, it's so difficult to get a single. So, um, yeah, they got rid of him. And then there's a drug trafficker, a Turkish fella, who went to eight choppers and, and I managed to get into his cell. Um, but I, 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 I the, the, the lady there, I'd gone over to her and I said, look, the cell's free. Can I get in there? And she said, yes. And I was like, thank you. And I, I was then... I ran back and I was putting my stuff stuff in the cell and then 
Uh, a couple of gang members ran up to her and they threw feces in her, in her face, all over her face. Yeah, yeah, it's horrendous. Yeah. What was that about? Um, I think she he knew her. She knew him from before. They'd known each other from before. Um, but uh, yeah, he he threw um, feces in her face. But I witnessed loads of brutality there. I witnessed the, the officers beating up like kids and that with weapons, like storming in the cell, beating them up. I witnessed. Um, there was a cell opposite me. There was a kid self-harming um, and, and he was cutting up his body and stuff and they were bandaging him up. Uh, and I used to watch through the door and write it all down, take notes and stuff. As I was doing a daily log. I wrote a daily log every day for a year. I wrote a daily log. Do you know the kid's up. story? He was, he, no, I mean, I never spoke to him. I just, I just saw a man suffering. He was really suffering, cutting his body up. Um, and then I saw the officers, um, um, bullying him in packs, really, and it was kind of like it's, it, it's 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 the things they're saying outside of his door in his earshot, like he's a fucking crank, he's fucking crazy. Oh, is it that fucking nutcase again? Like these are the the people responsible for your duty of care, and when when you're going through delirium like that, um, to the point where your mental health is deteriorated so much that you're harming yourself with razor blades and cutting your body to regain a, a sense and a feeling of control. Um, and you hear uh, the people um, who, who have the responsibility of your care talking like that. Um, it's a very, very lonely, sad and dark existence, Sean. Yeah. And I, I saw a lot of that there. Saw a lot of corruption. The prison officers were bringing the drugs in. Um, it was the prison officers who were bringing the drugs into that, to that prison. Um, by 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 uh, by by their associations with with some of these street gangs in, in the outside uh, from North and South London. There's a lot of heroin still. Nah, it's, it's, spice it's, is just dominating. Spice, mobile phones, and tobacco. Yeah, and it's just spice. Yeah, spice. Yeah, I've, I haven't seen heroin in prison for ages. Um, but they uh, then then what happened was the COVID thing here. That's it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you just set the table of. It's just like horrible conditions and then pandemic. Yeah. It just gets worse. Yeah. They shut down the prison system. I had my last visits. I think it was Saturday, the March the 21st. We got a piece of paper under our door on the Monday, the 23rd saying the ministry of justice shut down the whole prison system. Um, and, uh, they, uh, yeah, they shut it all down. 23 and a half hour bang up coming out for 20 minutes no more education all that was done all finished um and then on the friday they opened my door there's three officers they said this prison is not for you you've been moved so they i said where am i going they said they're going to the mount um so they they put me on a van and they sent me to the mount and i remember as i was on the van going to the mount prison after they processed me to leave the prison and I just saw this kind of apocalyptic, like surreal sci-fi kind of like ghost town. Every every road that I went down, I just see a ghost town. I see like two or three people in masks going into supermarkets. And uh, I just, yeah, it's like... Black Mirror. Yeah, it was just crazy, man. Um, arrived at the Mount and uh, I, 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 I ended up on Nash A on the Mount. Um, after induction, I put me in another another double cell with a kid doing 16 years for for guns and conspiracy to rob and crack and heroin, and uh, 
Then they put me onto Nash A. So you've got Nash A and Nash B, these two massive like housing units. Um, there's people on the yard, like walking around, training and stuff. And you walk into the unit um, and it is just loud uh, drill music, multiple different stereos, all like full volume. It's crazy. Just playing drill like this cluster fucking noise. I can't believe noise. they allow that because in America yeah. it's all headsets. Nah, not in the mount. No, you they can't get, hear anything. They let people have big stereos there, yeah. Why was the security level there? Uh, so it's a CCAT training prison. So you, it's a prison where under normal circumstances you, you would have to work. Um, people doing sentences for drug supply, burglary, robbery, uh, lifers who've committed murder, who, who, who are progressing through the system from the higher secure establishments. And then it's a, a step before the semi-open prisons like the DCATs where they would then go out to work and stuff like that. Um, 23 and a half hour lockdown. Um, I'm losing my mind now, like I'm in a cell. Uh, no one's coming to see me about the sentence. No one's talking to me about the recall. I've got no release date, no parole date. I'm locked up in a cell for 23 and a half hours a day with this kid who's just constantly watching uh, Jason Statham movies. <laughs> and like, like all these action movies with all these sounds like, psh, psh, like um, just one after the other, one after the other, watching all these films uh, with all his mates coming to the door every day, banging the door and shouting and screaming and talking rubbish. And I was living in like a... I was living in like a one meter square space like this, uh, just reading. I was reading Laws of Human Nature, Robert Greene. I was blitzing Good that book. Yeah, I was reading that mm. at the time. And uh, the, the, the way that I got through that particular situation was I just started to study them, <laughs> you know, like, like subjects. Like that's what Robert Greene was telling me to do. Like, and just, and, and trying to like, work out what crime they've committed by the way they dress and talk and stuff. Like, and I'd stand at the top landing and just watch them. And I'd watch the human psychology of these groups and, and these kids and stuff. Um, that's what I was doing. Yeah, that's how I got through it. And then uh, I, I, was, I was just losing my mind in there, man. It's like, it's fucking horrendous, man, honestly, Sean. It was, it was so bad. Um, I ended up having a Mexican standoff on a, on a netting, um, or like coming out, so I'm not banging up. I'm not bad. I took all my stuff out, my books and stuff. I said, I can't sit in that cell anymore. You refused to lock down. Yeah, I refused to go back in there. Um, the, Did they call the backup then? Yeah, they call, they call loads of them. Um, they, they locked down the whole unit. They were all standing, coming down the sides. You know, there's like 10 of them here, 10 of them there. Um, I stood near the camera. The camera's here. And there's a negotiator in front of me. They got their cameras. Um... Uh, and I just I started giving a speech into the camera. That's what I'd done. I was um, I was saying that IPP is the biggest and worst mass miscarriage of justice ever witnessed in modern Western European criminal justice and political history. I was I, I was saying that you need to release these prisoners. Like it's an injustice. Uh, people are dying. Um, you know, if you wanna if you wanna record that, then record that. I said I'm not going back in a cell. I can't be in a double cell anymore. Um, I'm losing my mind. Um, and it's difficult because I can't say what's going on in the cell. I can't say um, he's using, smoking weed. Um, I can't say about the other people. You know, I'm constantly like, you know, trying to stick to the moral code. Yeah. Um, uh, 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 but then trying to protect myself as well, like th these conflicts. And 
to be honest, I don't really give a fuck about the moral code, but I'm in prison and there's things you can and can't say. Convict code, yeah. You know, I but I don't really care about it really, Sean, but, you know, there's just things you do and things you don't do and things you say and things you can't say. So, But that's creating, like, huge conflict and problems for me because I'm not willing to tell them why I, I need to move. Like, I've, I'm having all these cellmates who are taking drugs and stuff. And um, so I just kept it real and kept it moving. And um, they put me on to the Lakes unit, which was a well-being unit um for people um with like mental health problems and all that and uh, i was on that unit for a few months did they try and put you on meds no nah, i don't take meds no nah, no nah, i don't take meds i just white knuckle it yeah i white knuckle it uh read write um i was doing a lot of reading uh doing a lot of writing um i was reading like robert green Socrates, uh, Laws of Human Nature, Einstein, uh, some neuroscience, uh, some physics, Man Mandela, Martin Luther King Jr. Um, I started writing. The, uh, the, 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 I was doing the Daily Log. I started writing manuscripts, the IPP diaries. I wrote three manuscripts um, about the IPP sentence and about stuff that I was going through and everything that I was seeing. And then I was just living in a concrete tunnel for 23, hour, 23 hours a day, locked up in a concrete tunnel with 30 men. Uh, association, table tennis, pool, all them things are done now. I mean, they're history. You don't get any of that anymore. You're just locked in a cell. Um, you, you, and then you, 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 you're just being bullied by 21 and a half year old females in packs. So... How long were you in the mental health section for? Um, from May the 13th until November the 23rd last year. I'm watching short tariff IPPs with six-month tariffs in their 15th year, and they're cutting their ears clean off, like with razors, slashing the tops of their ears off. They're severing entire fingers, screaming, covering the whole cells in blood. Uh, they're screaming into the night. Uh, they're skinny like this, um, like like skeletons. Uh, their minds are fucked on the spice. Uh, this is this is the modern British penal system. This is the IPP sentence. This is reality. Um, there, 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 there's there's there's. I mean, I just can't think of one civilization on Earth uh, anywhere in the free world, Sean, where um, people are locked up for attempted robbery of a coat or a mobile phone who were going through this for 15 years in a prison. I mean, I, I, I can't think of any example. Do people kill themselves in the mental health section? Uh, they, there's a lot of self-harm in there. There's a lot of self-harm in And it was such a claustrophobic existence. You know, you hear everything and you hear all the officers coming and they're goading them and, and mocking them and um, encouraging them. And... Um, the, the officers are encouraging them to self-harm yeah yeah um the, i did try and speak to the officers about this on a number of occasions i do feel like i made some progress how would you approach that um it's very difficult it's very difficult uh so i just started so there was one called mr g there's a guy called mr g i said i'd give him a shout out as well mr g you know um he was all right he watched the, the the podcast i told him to go and watch the podcast he said he watched it enjoyed it and uh um you know there was other officers there and they, they were uh, uh, 
I, I see a kid self-harming, you know, he's chopping, he's carving himself up um, and he's covered in blood and they're calling him a fucking sausage and a, a fucking wanker and um, a retard, the officers. Um, and, and then, and then he, he, he's trying to cut his fingers off and stuff. Uh, they kind of made it, they, it was kind of their fault really. And uh, so I kind of determined, I was speaking to these officers and stuff just on a level and trying to understand why why they were doing it and um i think it was their way they were trying to say that it was their kind of way of coping because they don't have the skills and the expertise and the training and um it was it was it was really difficult for me because it really impacted and affected me sean to watch these people suffering when i was trying to um survive myself and uh it really affected me and it really um, affected my ability to kind of look after myself as well because of the emotion involved in watching them suffer and not being able to do anything about it and the helplessness. It's affecting me just hearing it. I can't imagine how you feel. I'm sure it's affecting the people watching this. Yes, yeah, it is horrible. Um, I, I, I just, it, was, it was so emotional, like, yeah, like watching it. And um, long story short, I, I kind of, I kind of learned. So Mandela was talking about the importance of educating our oppressor and that we, we have to educate the oppressor. So I kind of um, tried to incorporate that kind of wisdom somehow. And I tried to kind of not see them as abusers, even though they were abusers. And I was watching new prison officers arrive and then six months later turning into abusers um, because they're coming into a philosophy that is entrenched in the DNA of these institutions that... <clears throat> goes along the lines of, you know, anybody that comes into custody in the United Kingdom um, that are detained by the courts um, are just, are just, are just um, the absolute scum of the earth. They, they, they don't deserve a second chance. They don't deserve any human rights. And, 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 and they, they are not even worthy of love. Um, that, 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 that's it, sadly. Uh, and I'd watch officers and, and I'd watch them turn into abusers. And, 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 and I just tried to get to a place of acceptance that I can't blame an, a prison officer for coming to, into a job to try and feed their family and then um, being kind of um, affected um, uh, uh, and infected by the philosophy. Uh, you know, they're not going to go against the whole grain. And um, even though if they did, that would be a good thing. Um, but yeah, I... Was, I, I, I I think there might have been some truth in it that that you know that it was kind of their way of coping and stuff, but they were encouraging it, whether consciously or unconsciously. They were they were definitely encourage encouraging it, and and it was it, it was horrific. I was going through hell. I was going through extreme suicidal ideation. I was going through extreme insomnia. Uh, a kind of like psychosis where I was hallucinating. I was seeing like cockroaches from Aylesbury prison where I was tortured uh, in the cell, but they didn't exist. And I, I, I would look like this. I'd see them on the walls. Um, um, I couldn't sleep. Uh, the hopelessness, the helplessness, the despair. You know, I've got all the probation stuff. You're dangerous. You're, you're, you're high risk, um, all this kind of stuff. Um, watching what what was going on around me, um, and and I, I I had to the way that I survived it was through writing, and and um, I would sit I would sit 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 on the bed 
and I would write and I would I, I would write like what 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 now when I read back and look back and read it now is was like a stream of consciousness. Like if you read Love Is Our Code uh, on 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 my website, if you read that Love Is Our Code, that 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 was the kind of stuff that I was writing. It's really deep, like, um, and it would take me to places where 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 um, I, I was at peace. It would take me to a place of peace uh, where 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 um, I'm completely um, separated from from my thinking, from my mind. It, it was that powerful where. The, the pen and the ink um, would would become one with myself, um, and and I, I would bear my soul on, on, onto the paper, uh, and it was cathartic and cleansing and powerful and empowering, um, and that, that that's that's how I, that's how I got through it. It's the best way I can describe it, really. Yeah. Oh, it's really powerful, man. Yeah. Well done. Get just going inside yourself and. Yeah, finding that you know that tool that worked, which was writing. And writing is just not to be underestimated, is it? Nah, so cathartic. Nah. Yeah. So, were you in the mental health section for the duration, or did you go back to another section before you got released? No, nah, I was there until I got released. Like you know, I was there. Um, I was really suffering. I self harmed once, um, which is, is is very unlike me, but it kind of. It just took me to that kind of place. What led to that moment then where you just got a bit unhinged? Just the emotion and the the feeling that I've just got absolutely no control over my life. And I'm just feeling like, what's the point anymore, Sean? Like, I, 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 I've, I've transformed my life around, like, beyond recognition. And, um, you know, and then they just keep locking me up. And, uh... It's just, it's tough, man. Like, you know, it's tough. Um, so it's just that, that feeling of like helplessness and hopelessness. And I just think like, what's the, what, what is the point? Um, I know some of it's self-inflicted because I'm kind of fighting against the system and stuff, but you know, I'm only going through the correct and proper channels that, that, that are afforded to me, you know, as per the British constitution. And, um, these are, these are things that, that are supposedly, um, there for all of us to to be able to exercise as a as a as a as a free 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 nation and a free democracy and stuff. So just because you've been to prison doesn't mean you don't have the right to freedom of speech. Well, my case was an Article Ten case. It was unprecedented. There there there, there is not, to my knowledge, um, a case an Article Ten freedom of expression case that 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 um, is on record of an indeterminate sentence prisoner on recall. Um, you know, the, 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 I've been locked up for, you know, making complaints through the correct and proper channels and saying stuff on YouTube videos. So, um, it's an article 10 case that was all clearly put out in the submissions to the pro board. Um, the day before my pro hearing, I, I had insomnia all night. I didn't sleep. I had no support for re release. Nobody recommended my release the prison probation inside and out um that they, they were unreachable they never came to visit me they never came to see me um my family was trying to contact them they never never replied uh, i said i met the inside probation a couple of times um he recommended that i remain detained indefinitely for another two years and that was too dangerous to be released um even with a robust risk management release plan 
um, even um, considering the fact that I'd spent seven and a half years in the community on life license without committing serious harm. He recommended that because of misusing my cell bell and my cell. That, that, that's what his reason was, misuse of cell bell. Um, and then the outside one, uh, you, they're just savage. You know, they're the ones who recalled me. Um, you know, they're saying that, that I'm now capable of committing murder, um, that, um, that, you know, I'm super high risk, um, that, that, that if I'm released, you know, I, I, I pose a risk of serious um, violence to the community. And uh, they caught me to the parole hearing, went to the parole hearing. They were, it was a remote hearing because of the pandemic. So basically I was just in a room with a phone and I sat opposite the prison probation officer and we sat opposite each other. Um, I had no support for release. It, it, was a, it was a battle to, to keep my presence of mind. I feel like presence of mind is very important in these situations, but um, it, was a, it was a really big challenge, Sean. And uh, he tried to engage me, the prison probation, who, who's nailed me to the cross in his report, and I just refused to engage him. I just said to him, justice is coming. That's all I said to him. Um, and then I, I sat down with my notepad and, and, and my, my, my folder and stuff and my legal books. And uh, yeah, I had to fight for my freedom again, fight for my life in a dim lit corner of um, Her Majesty's dehumanizing warehouse, the Mount Prison in Hemel Hempstead. Um, there was two judicial pro board members, Patrick Thomas and another one, two, two uh, judges um ones i think was a birmingham crown court judge uh it was the only little bit of faith that i had kind of left w w was to find some kind of was 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 the moral common sense and logic of these two respected pro board members because um across the british criminal justice system you know it is one place where you 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 you, you more often than not going to find some moral common sense and logic is 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 with a judge um so uh you know, that was kind of my faith and hope. And um, so it kicked off, you know, you had the two outside probation officers. You had my new one, the guy who recalled me, he passed my case over to someone else to avoid questioning on the parole day. Yeah, because it's quite cowardly, but he was subpoenaed and the judges said, no, you recalled him. So you need to come and answer and give your reasons why. So I, by that, so I was up against two of them. You had the inside probation opposite me and my legal counsel and the two judicial parole board members who were at home. This was done remotely on a phone. So my inside probation went first and the pro board judge uh, said to him, explain to him what serious harm is. Serious harm, yeah, life and limb or long-term, lifelong trauma that is almost impossible to recover from, okay? And then he said to him, um, you know, if, it, if it's no longer necessary for this person to be detained for the protection of the public, because he does not pose serious harm, then we must release him. So he said to him, his first question, what could this man do in the community to somebody? And his response, he said, um, uh, uh, um, uh. the judge is like, sir, what could this man do to somebody in the community? What could he do? Like, what could he do to somebody? <laughs> and he's like, um, um, he argues. That's what he said, Sean. He argues. He said he argues, yeah. He said he argues with people. And um, and you could hear the judges huffing and puffing and saying, good gosh. And um, and they were like, he, he said, he said, he said, sir, you cannot, we cannot keep people in custody 
because they argue with people. Thank you very much for your evidence. We don't need to hear anything more from you today. And they just ripped this silly report up in under four minutes, Sean. That, that, and so it's not unprecedented or unusual or uncommon for pro board members to kind of challenge probation on their silly reports. But for them, to, these judges to come out the starting blocks like this uh, and just rip him to pieces in under five minutes uh, it, it was is something I've never seen before or heard of. Right. Oh. So. Um, and then they got onto the 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 uh, the other two, and they were they were they were questioning them, and um, so he wrote in that part a recall report that we spoke about at the start of the podcast uh, that 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 he 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 had other information he was going to have bring other information that he had to justify um, his recall that the recall was 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 because I committed serious harm in the community that met the threshold harm in the community sorry that meets the threshold of serious harm psychological harm in this regard and uh so the judge said where's the evidence um um uh well uh let me just have a look and the judge is like no you've had a, a 11 months where is this evidence where is it you know you, you, you this man's waited nearly a year on recall you said you had further evidence that he, he he's committed harm that meets the threshold of serious harm where is this evidence Mr. Probation Officer, um, 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 well, if if I let the, this lady try and find it, um, and I can answer other questions now, and they're just avoiding it, and, and and didn't have the evidence, and didn't come up with any evidence, and still to this very day, right now, have still not provided any evidence of any wrongdoing, of any breach of license, of any criminal behaviour, and um, and and then they released me, trebled my restrictions. Uh, 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 and without an apology, and put me in a probation hostel with high risk offenders. But um, they, they, it also came out. The probable judges made them go into the system and, and, and the probation officers' emails and stuff. And then it came out that they'd actually withheld evidence that was favourable to me from from the um, from the parole board, and uh, uh, you know regarding. Um, one of the people who, who was involved in the recall. Um, so I won't I won't name them because no despite names, what yeah. they've done to me, like I'll still uh, be mature and protect their anonymity. But they they the, basically the person emailed the probation and said that um, it, it, and basically admitted um, that, that 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 I hadn't actually done anything wrong. And they hid that evidence from the parole board. They hid that from the prison probation. They hid that from their parole reports. Now, even when it came out that they'd hid that evidence in the parole hearing, Sean, and this was their error, error in the sense of, because I would have still been released, but error in the sense of um, showing themselves up for what they are, um, they still defended the recall. And in a court of law, even though with civil procedure rules um, that, that a parole board is, so it's based on probability. It's not that a criminal where beyond reasonable doubt a parole board is, is, is like a civil thing. Um when you lose a legal argument on that scale where it's where you've admitted that you hid evidence and it's come out that you've hid evidence that was favorable to me the whole time you've hid this evidence, then you still defend the recall. I mean, um, they lost the respect of the parole board when they did that. Um, and that's when the penny dropped for the inside probation, realizing he'd been duped by the outside ones. And uh, so they released me. They released me. They trebled my restrictions. I've got to have monitoring devices put in any of um, my phones. 
I've got to give up my SIM cards for inspection. I can't, I'm not allowed to delete Google history. Um, so I, I remember my index offense. I stole 240 pounds with a knife 15 years ago from a shop as a street homeless man. Um, yeah, not to delete Google history. Uh, I can't go home. I can't do this. I can't do that. Um, and uh, they released me to um, approved premises in Brixton. Now I knew... Remember when I said to you the first release, like the movie, the second release, I felt nothing. I knew that I needed to walk out of the gate with no bitterness or anger. And I knew that I had to try and meet this challenge, Sean. Otherwise, that bitterness and anger would manifest itself into my life in, in various different ways and affect my relationships. And it can destroy me. So I... I, I I did everything in my power with the resources inside me as a man to try and meet that challenge. I, I didn't think I would meet the challenge. I, I, I was so upset and um, fragile. My mind was fragile. So the way that I did that, um, I, 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 I did a lot of meditation. But when I say meditation, I don't, I don't kind of mean sitting there like this. Um, I mean like rigorous self-examination where I, I, I kind of brought everything back to myself and I kind of reviewed um, the innermost depths um, of my soul uh, and who I am um, and, 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 and just tried to cleanse myself the best that I could. Uh, lots of writing, uh, doing lots of writing and writing it all down and stuff, um, doing the kind of like columns, um, of like inventory, like using other resources. I've got like 12 step inventory. Um, I was doing a lot of that. Um, I, I was doing a lot of prayer, like um, prolonged, consistent, um, long periods of, of, uh, of, of prayer um, where it would take me to places of, uh, of peace. Um, and I, I, I think I'm quite happy to report that. I, I think I did meet the challenge because um, the day that I left, you know, I, I was really gracious and dignified, uh, or I, tr or tried my best to be, and I wished them well, uh, these people who I'd watch abuse people, um, goading them into killing themselves. I wished them well, uh, and I walked to the gate and I, 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 I did everything I could to keep an attitude and a psychological mindset of complete indifference. Uh, this day that I'm walking out of the gates of the prison to freedom is nor good nor bad. Only the mind makes it so. Um, a few hours ago, I was laying on my bed in my cell reading. Now I'm driving down the motorway um, in an SUV. Um, uh, you know, it's just like it's, it, it, do you know what I'm trying to say? Like that's how I kind of dealt with it. Um, and then I went to this uh, probation hostel um, in, in, in Brixton back to the same jurisdiction to the probation officers who'd recalled me mm. who tried to keep me in custody mm. who'd how had their knuckles wrapped by the parole board um and the last thing i'll say before uh, i allow you to interject um now is that there are one or two other things about my case that i haven't gone into um that 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 that, that i've kind of you know kind of missed out really but not because i didn't i didn't want to talk about them but it's just like the time really and um but the it, in the ipp diaries um it, it, it will it will all come out well well i was going to all the specifics uh 
about my case, specifically around the character assassinations that they've done, um, especially around the forensic psychologist, uh, things like this. Um, and uh, yeah, so they've said they've, they've they've put me they've put me put me back to this 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 probation um, hostel back in 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 Lambeth with these probation officers. Yeah. Well, good job getting through the suicidal thoughts part of it because um, that was the lowest for me when I was facing two hundred years, and I just oh, I just slashed my wrist and bleed out. But then I looked at the photos of my mom, dad, girlfriend, and sister. And it was the thought of my mum getting a call saying your son's dead in a foreign prison. I, I broke down and started crying and I just couldn't bear the thought of putting my mum through that. So what got you through the suicidal thoughts phase? How did you psychologically lift out of that? Uh, the way that I got through that phase and lifted out of it was the way that I described with the writing um, and and how that empowered me and took me to a place of of complete peace. Um, the, the, the issue that I had was that I was now at a place psychologically and mentally and approaching a place of acceptance that there is more intelligence and more graciousness and more dignity in taking my own life than, than continue to live on like this in a concrete box, living in a coffin with some rabbit food thrown in my door every day at four o'clock onto the floor and then my steel door shut with no hope, um, being character assassinated, we're completely helpless. I, 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 the, 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 the studying the philosophers that I was studying, and it, it was just that's just how it materialized at that time, Sean. Like I, I, I was seriously starting to think about taking my own life because as as an act of as an act of 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 dignity an act of human dignity and an act of of grace and an act of intelligence you know that's what martin luther king jr says you know when he says i would rather die on highway 55 with my conscience intact than to continue to live on every day defeated and, and i understand what he means by that i completely understand what he means by that it's a function of sentence length isn't it and if it's indeterminate, then it's just a, a total head wreck. Because what led to my point was first year, second year on sentence, they're adding more charges, they're adding more prospective sentencing, and then in the end, it's like they made it clear it's going to be 200 if you lose at trial. So for you then, because every month you're in court and it just goes worse and worse and worse. So for you then, I imagine there must be a disproportionate amount of suicides among the, the IPP prisoners because of that f 99 years or whatever it is, life alone. Have you found, I mean, I know you study this intensely. Have you found what like the suicide rate is for IPP prisoners? Yeah, so um, the, the self-harm and suicide statistics for IPPs are just staggering. Uh, they're just absolutely frightening. Um, they, they are, there's been uh, recorded um there's about 65 suicides with, with ipps um i actually don't think that's a correct statistic um the ministry of justice are very shady about um the the freedom of information requests that they receive from lead campaigners like donna mooney and shirley de bono on this subject um i think it's probably around 
150 suicides um, or deaths that have been caused by the sentence because um, I know for a fact that there's over um, uh, about 140, 150 recorded deaths of IPP prisoners, but they're marking them down as natural causes, Sean. So like Charlotte Noakes, for example, um, she got re recorded at the inquest as, 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 as natural causes. She got a, like a 15-month tariff or something. She left to rot on herself for 10 years, and then, uh, you know, she got found dead in her cell. It was the sentence that caused that, that death, uh, but it gets recorded as, national, uh, as natural causes. Of the 2,100 or so um, IPPs who remain detained indefinitely with no right to release at this juncture in 2021 in prisons in England and Wales, mostly men, um, like I said, 97, 98% of which are over tariff. Um, probably 500 of them have done five times their tariff. Over 200 have done between eight and 15 years over their tariff. Um, I would say between 70 and 80% of these people are self-harming in what can only be described as a, as a modern day bloody massacre. Um, you know, I really think it will be recorded down in the history books uh, of this. And for the Justice Secretary, Robert Buckland QC, to, to, to not confront this for what it is and, and to address it for what it is and to deal with it for what it is, uh, I just don't understand and just cannot comprehend or grasp or fathom like why or how he is in politics. It's just a completely uncaring system. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I mean, the the, the 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 this hope at the minute with the Amnesty International um, condemnation of the sentence. Uh, but but I I didn't think we'd be in a position here where the current elected parliament would be leaving men with four month tariffs in prison for 16, 17, 18, 19, 20 years. But it looks like they are at the minute. Yeah. So what was the date of your release then, and how have you found it since then? It sounds like it's been a minefield. So I got released on the 23rd of November um, uh, to to Brixton. Um, I'm, I was then at the last stages of my degree, um, so I had 10 essays to complete uh, to graduate in May with my Bachelor of Arts. Um, I was really you know, looking forward to getting this done. Bachelor um, of Arts in what? In criminology and psychology. Then I wanted to go on to a master's and do do some post-grad study, maybe in like artificial intelligence and philosophy or maybe theology or or, or just to establish myself as a cr criminological scholar. Um, so I, yeah, I was, I, I kind of uh, cracked on with that. Uh, I've got, I've got three essays done. Um I, I set up a ministry, uh, Blessed Lot of Peacemakers, World Secure Environments uh, 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 and Community Ministry with six strands um, um, of, 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 of homeless outreach, uh, publishing. Is, is that what your new YouTube channel is called, Blessed Lot of Peacemakers? Yeah, I've got two. Like I've got, I shut down the old one. I've got a new one, Pep Watson, and then uh, I've got uh, uh, Blessed Lot of Peacemakers. Pep, ministry. just P-E-P. -E -P. Yeah, yeah, Pep Watson. So we'll yeah. put those links in the description if people are watching. Cheers, man. Um, yeah, so we've got a ministry YouTube channel, the new YouTube channel. Um, so yeah, I developed, I developed these uh, blueprints uh, when I was in custody. I wrote all the blueprints for the ministry um, with the six strands, uh, with the four mission aims and activities um, kind of philosophy. So it's a four-tier, six-strand ministry. So I catapulted the um, the Martin Luther King Jr. philosophy into the 21st century. That was kind of the thinking behind it. 
and I sourced all the the philosophers that Martin Luther King Jr. Um, um, got his philosophy of love um, and kindness and compassion from, and I, and I brought that into the twenty first century. Um, built this this ministry philosophy. Um, tied it into the stuff that I was doing anyway, like consultancy and things like this with the patients and prisoners that I've been working with. Um, started recruiting some volunteers, working with them. They've been really good. Um, building like a little team together. I've had huge complications with it, um, with with the guy that I was working with. He went a bit rogue. He was kind of trying to um, kind of... Um, jump on what I was doing as kind of like a business where he could kind of make money out of it. And I don't care about money, Sean. I care about people. Um, I don't care about money. I, I, I care very much about people and I care very much about the social crisis in modern Britain. I care very much about the need for change. I'm not talking about reform. I'm talking about the complete deconstruction and reconstruction of a power imbalanced British criminal justice system that by way of design um, systematically targets, punishes, demonizes and criminalizes the oppressed and people from marginalized communities and predominantly the poor, whilst at the same time it protects the wealthy, the rich, the elite, the powerful um, who consistently avoid justice and the battering ram of justice because of their friends and resources and manipulations of the law. Um, and, uh, you know, we've been talking about reform since 1985 in the Gladstone report. Um, and, and, and what has really changed? Like I gave the example at Feltham, like nothing has really changed. Um, it's uh, it, 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 we need to tear the whole system down and 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 and, uh, and reconstruct it. Um, this is something I I, I I believe with with conviction. Um, it's something that I want to keep um, fighting for for as long as there's air on my lungs. Um, I really believe in it. I think it potentially has to be political. Um, where it has to be kind of uh, constructed. Uh, and deconstructed and reconstructed within the political context. Um, um, and 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 yeah. So I was I was building a ministry. I was meeting with and um, with with local uh, uh, community leaders, uh, Battersea Church uh, ministers. Um, I was in Zoom meetings with those, with bishops, top bishops in, in, in Great Britain and Ireland uh, online, um, meeting them. Those people was really interesting. And they were forcing me to go into Lambeth probation in tier five lockdown when Boris Johnson had said, you know, nobody's allowed to go out unless it's like super emergency. Um, and, and, and this probation officer... She's forcing me to go in there um, to tier five in tier five lockdown for face to face appointments, um, and uh, it's just horrific. I, I, I was getting like insomnia the day that I was supposed to perform my appointment. She was making me go down there every Tuesday. I was going down there. I was going into a state of panic, a state of hyper arousal, intrusion, trauma, flashbacks, vivid, uh, violent flashbacks. Well, I have to like go up against the wall and like crawl down the wall, crying, um, just from going into a probation appointment. Like this is what it was doing to me. Um, I've got a diagnosis for PTSD, like high end PTSD, um, which I had the last time I was out. And I'm pleading with her. I'm saying to her, "This is the impact that it's having on me." And um, and uh, there's just no compassion there, or nothing. Um, 
and it, and then um i was uh, uh i was asking to go home they weren't letting me go home um she gave me a warning for um she gave me a warning for what what happened was this is all happening right now as has happened in the last three weeks so my move on date was the first of february so i found a flat um, I used all the resources and the skills that I've learned that they taught me that I needed to learn for, from from whether it's prison, whether it's thinking skills, problem th solving skills, uh, whether it's utilizing my my, my support network um, um, to 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 find this flat. I found a flat uh, it, near Brixton. It was a lovely flat, studio flat. I sorted it all out myself with the local housing officer. I sorted it all out with 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 the rent deposit scheme. Um, sorted it all out so I could move in there. I had everything, a bed, a double bed, a shower, a cooker. Um, I had everything. And uh, I met the landlord, Mohammed. He's a very nice man. We met and shook hands. And uh, I was ready to pick up the keys. And I sent this address to the probation officer. And she refused to let me live there, um, saying it was a bad area in um, West, West Norwood. Yeah. Like you can be a tutor, you know, like they say, uh, it's hard, isn't it? If you've got a criminal record to get anywhere. Yeah, I smashed it. Yeah, I got a flat and that. And she, when she did that, I realized that um, like they're gunning for me and it kind of hit me. It, it kind of hit me that they're still gunning for me. Um, I, I kind of had a hope that they'd accepted professionally the decision of the parole board, but it became quite clear and evident that they weren't accepting it. Um, then she she started um she gave me she said that when she told me that she recorded it down as like a warning um that I'd been rude to her um when she told me I couldn't live there so what I did because I'd realized that she what she was doing that she was trying to stop me and prevent me from rebuilding my life and that they were still gunning for me I was like, I need to get out of this borough, this jurisdiction. So I'm going to I'll give you my mum's address. My mum's address is a foolproof address. Um, that hasn't got a parking ticket on it for 40 years. Uh, I'm giving you the foolproof address. Um, and she was devastated, you know. She's like, oh, oh. So I was like, that's my address and I'm moving there. Um, and she's extending my stay at the hostel, extending my stay at the hostel, trying to do everything she can to keep me there as long as possible, to nitpick me on these tiny little warnings. Even though I'm flying, I mean, what I've achieved in the short number of weeks that I've been released is nothing short of astonishing. You know, I've built a world ministry um, like from nothing, um, from a blueprint um, that I wrote in prison, which is 70, 80 pages long. And I'm now putting it into practice. Uh, we're helping people, um, you know, we're hiring volunteers, uh, working as a consultant, um, you know, we're, we're, we're making a difference in society already um, in, in rapid time. And uh, she refused the, the my mum's address, saying I'm not allowed to go, go back there. Um, she spent an hour on the phone to my mum, interrogating her, asking her about her friends, asking her if she's on the dole, asking her if she's on benefits, does she own the property, who comes to the house. Um, just trying to find like one little thing, um, demanding that she does a video tour of every single room in the what? house. My mum just said, no, I'm not doing it. This is my personal home. This is ridiculous. Um, and she made my kind of mum think that, you know, this is on the Thursday. Shall I get back to you on the Monday? She didn't get back to her. She, my mum was sitting there waiting. She didn't get back to her. Um, child, sex, predators are allowed to go home to their mums. Rapists are allowed to go to home to their mums. Uh, domestic, 
convicted terrorists are allowed to go home to their mums. If they, you're argumentative, you can't go home to your mum. They wouldn't let me go home to my mums. And then she's saying, I'm, I've, I've, and then the, the, the time in the hostel plus the extension of a week had run out. So now the time's run out. Now she's saying, I'm homeless. And that I've intentionally made myself homeless. She's saying, I'm homeless. I'm saying, I'm not homeless. Like I've got, I can give you another five addresses I can go to. I've got other addresses. I'm giving you addresses. You're not approving them. You know, what can I do? Um, I had, I had, um, I came out on the 23rd of November. I made an application for PIP for the PTSD and ESA for the, uh, for, 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 for living in a hostel. And, um, after five weeks, I did the phone assessment and they said that I'd, uh, I, I shouldn't have applied for ESA, but I only applied for ESA because the GP advised me that I should apply for ESA. So I made, I made, I was wrongly advised. Um, so I didn't get a payment. Um, I then applied for universal credit immediately. PIP takes three months. Um, universal credit first payment came and it, another five week, weeks. So I, I'd gone 10 weeks. So the first and only payment I had from universal credit whilst being out in the community of of, uh, of £314 on the 24th of January, the probation's ringing me up, demanding that I hand over every penny of it to the hostel for rent, uh, for £29 a week rent, um, service charge. And if I don't, then I'm breaching my license. And um, I was saying, but I don't have any money. I don't have any money. And she's demanding that I give this money. And um, I refused to give it. I refused to give them to it because I didn't have any money, Sean. And, uh, and then um, it all happened so quickly she gave me a warning, a formal license warning for leaving a hostel seven minutes early. I left one morning at seven, seven minutes early before the curfew, but it was a trick really because I'd left between six and seven in the morning about 15 times and I hadn't said anything. Now they're saying I'm breaching a, a curfew and all this uh, for leaving seven minutes early in the morning. Um, and then other bosses were getting involved, like chief probation officers, and I'm like, they're going to recall me again. They're going to recall me again. and. Um, so I, uh, she gave me, she gave me another, um, um, she, they, they, she, they were ringing me and they were saying, look, you are homeless in the morning and I'm living my life like hour by hour and I'm seeing my life being completely ripped apart. I'm, I'm have, I've got no control over my life. I can see them building a case for a potential third life destroying recall without committing a crime. And I haven't, I'm, I, I haven't even come out of the hostel and um, they're ringing my phone saying, are you going to pay pay this money? And I'm, I'm raising the money to, to pay them, like, our family and friends and stuff. And I'm in tears. I'm in tears, like, giving them the money. I remember giving them, like, the last £3.57 out of my pocket and giving it to them with, with, with this money and saying, like, I don't have any more money. Are you happy now? Like, um, and uh, I just, you know, so, so, so I, I left there, Sean. I left. Um, I, I, I was getting suicidal. Um, the, the insomnia was becoming so torturous. Um, every little noise, the door, I'm thinking it's the police. They're going to come and get me. And, um, so I just walked out of there and didn't go back. Yeah. I just walked out of there. So, um, they phoned my mum on the 12th of February, uh, which is like nearly three weeks ago now. And they, they said that there's, a, there's a, a warrant out for his arrest for holy shit yeah yeah Cheating me nah man they, they they said there's a warrant out for your arrest for um not going back not going back to the hostel but I, I just i just couldn't go back there because it was just it was it was just it was just so torturous and i could see that they were trying to recall me 
time and there was nothing I could do about it. And I, I, I just, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to um, end up in prison um, and, and thinking the whole time that I was in there, like I could have just left. So uh, yeah, I'm now a fugitive. I'm wanted by the police. I'm wanted by the police in all over England, uh, Wales, Scotland, uh, Northern Ireland, the UK. I'm wanted by the police in the UK yeah, for a third life destroying recall um, without committing a crime. Um, oh my God, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, that's that's my current situation. Yeah. So that would have been at least another one or two years back in the system. Yeah. Just doing going through the bullshit again to go to a hearing to find out you were stitched up again. Yeah. So they just got you going round and round in circles. And they can just do that, do that to you endlessly because of the IPP thing. Yeah, like, my mother's just distraught now. You know, she's just like, well, when you get arrested, you're just going to go back and we've got to go through it all again. And she's like, I don't understand the point in this. Um, I don't understand the point in it. And why aren't the probation officers held to account? And um, so, yeah, I've been, like, stuck in a, a safe house for the last, like, nearly three weeks, 18, 19 days. Jesus. I'm just sitting, sitting there um, and... Uh, I'm still building a ministry, uh, recruiting volunteers, um, sending in art materials to p patients in hospitals. Um, what else am I doing? That's it, really. Cooking. I've been cooking. Um, and then uh, writing. been doing a bit of writing the last few days. I've worked, like, not today, but yesterday, day before and the day before. I've done, like, three, like, long shifts, like, working uh, on my ministry and stuff on my website. and um, I think um, with with what's happened with the, the guy that um, kind of came on board with my ministry, um, I think I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna shift away from 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 the ministry approach of trying to uplift, you know, a spiritually bankrupt modern Britain uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ, King of Kings, uh, and instead shift away from that. Um, although I still believe we, we, we need to reconnect in, in this land of faith and glory with, 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 with family values and love and kindness and compassion and helping each other uh, and address this fractured family unit problem. Um, but I think with what's happened to me lately is, is, is that I'm going to shift away from that and I'm, I'm going to start coming from a more political, political approach. And, um, I'm going to continue down a path that 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 that, that is that, that that can potentially become um, somewhat of a political political movement. I, I believe that this is potentially like meant to be. It's the only way I can kind of try and make sense of it all, really, Sean. Like because I know that I don't deserve to be locked up in custody. Um, the, the the road to redemption is very long. Um, maybe there's some meaning 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 to it um meaning for it uh some meaning why this is happening to me um the last few days i've been i've been really trying to bring everything back to myself and and, and, and trying to determine like is it really me is it, is it is it really me like that all these things are happening to like you know do i deserve to to keep going in and out of prison and it's hard for me to kind of accept that that, that, that that's the case really you know for the crime not committed well there needs to be a campaign to bring your story to a bigger audience of the public, perhaps through major media, 
because these bastards that are doing these things to you, when it's exposed to the taxpaying public, they're going to be shown to be the criminals, not you. So have you got any any media connections, perhaps people watching this who have media connections? Are, are, are you working, um, doing anything with anything with the media coming up or um i'm i'm in touch very close touch with um one or two people and um i am working on one or two things with um mainstream media prominent uh broadcasters and uh that, you know let's just hope that turns into something hopefully in the next few weeks that's kind of my hope really um but i've been talking and communicating with and liaising with them um, and telling them the severity of the situation I'm in um, in the last couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, I, I, I can emphatically and categorically say that these mainstream broadcasters, with the information that I've provided them um, and the footage that I've provided them, um, they're, they're absolutely blown away, really, by what, what, what's happening. I'm yeah. absolutely blown away. Just listening yeah, to your story right now. I'm really I mean, shocked, yeah. Man, you're such a good speaker. From the very first time we did the podcast, that was really harrowing and hard hitting. But now you've just gone to the next level of like being like a Malcolm X, you know, type Martin Luther King type speaker. It's just really moving and it's just so articulate what you say. The personal story combined with the important social message about the horror of what's going on for these IPP prisoners. This is why you're here. This is, you just said that maybe there's a purpose to all this. Your suffering is the price to get this out there and perhaps end it because it is so powerful what you're saying. And I'm sure the people watching this have been sat here riveted and, and are absolutely, you know, it's resonated with them. What do you want to say to them uh, in conclusion and what, what could they do perhaps do to help you? Um... Well, what you just said is 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 very kind. I really appreciate it. Thank you. It's, it's nice to hear those those kind words. Um, I, I do perhaps agree with you. I, I believe that if 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 we are if we are wanting to and wishing to um, uplift society, uplift humanity, um, then. History shows us that there has to be a sacrifice for that. Um, and I do feel like putting myself on offer um, since I've been an activist and challenging the IPP sentence. Um, the way that I've done it um, has, has led to me having to sacrifice, like with my liberty, for example, on, on the last recall. And um, I... I don't regret it. I, I don't. I don't regret any video that I've made. Um, YouTube have never had a problem with any of my videos. If you don't like them, don't watch them. Um, I, I'm, I'm very um, steely in my conviction that I, I, or the only thing that I did um, that led to that last recall, not this third one, the second one, um, with the YouTube videos, was I was raising issues. Um, or awareness of issues that are very important, critical even to the positive social progress of this land of faith and glory, the United Kingdom of Great Britain. I believe that um, the, the issues that are raising are that important, and I, I don't apologise for that. Um, 
I, I have had to sacrifice. Like I don't see my family. I don't see my child. I don't see my nieces. I don't get to enjoy relationships. Um, I can't even walk down the road now without like looking over my shoulder. Um, my life is very intense now. Um, I don't have no freedom of movement. Um, but the opportunity, the opportunity to, to sacrifice for the greater cause of good and for justice, equality and freedom and to uplift our brothers and sisters around us, um, in modern Britain, the opportunity to sacrifice for those things is something that, that I'm very grateful for and appreciative for, and, and something that I, uh, I, I, I will embrace, Sean. Um, I, I have a gift for writing. I have a gift for p possibly talking. I mean, the, you, the, the, I'm very humbled and touched by you. you the, the guys that you've um, likened me with, uh, you know, these are these are great orators, aren't they? Um, and uh, it, it, so, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm pleased that that I can use these these qualities that I've got to try and raise awareness. Uh, of these uh, of these issues so um i don't know what's ahead of me i don't know i don't know what's going to happen uh, i do feel quite lonely at the moment quite um quite uh um disorientated um but i fe i feel quite empowered that I took the decisive action not to continue to be tortured in that hostel and walk away. That was quite empowering. Um, I don't really see it as a reckless decision or anything like that. It's just something that I had to do at the time because of, of, of uh, I just couldn't take it anymore. I just couldn't take it. And I had the option and people are saying, you can't do that. And I was like, well, I can, I can do that. I've got places to go. I can, I can get up and leave and, and walk out and I can go somewhere and I'll be safe and I'll be safer there than I am here. What can people do to help me? Um, the, the, I mean, the, yeah, I mean, we'll put my links in, into, into the, the, into, into the description. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't ask for money or anything like that. I don't care about money, but my biggest problem is source of income. Um, so, you know, if someone can chuck me for a tenner for food or something, that would be appreciative. Um, I'm kind of living just day by day at the minute. Um, I don't, uh, I'm not really using the internet a lot because uh, I know I can get tracked and stuff. So I'm just, just, just doing writing, really. People can help me by... People can help me by standing up in their communities and 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 talking about issues that they see in their communities that that they don't agree with um, to 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 try and do something to work towards the necessary deconstruction and reconstruction that is required in our societies. Um, you know, because I feel very strongly that uh, when we're silent, Sean, in the face of oppression and human suffering and abuse um then 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 we are as guilty as the perpetrators and so we become perpetrators also and the silence from the criminal justice system in modern britain with regard 
to the horrific, indefensible and barbaric IPP sentence is, 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 is just absolutely mind-blowing. Uh, we are making perpetrators of evil and cruelty and barbarism out of good prison chaplains and out of 21 and a half year old you know prison officers who who, who were not bad people um so this is something we need to get to grips with there's a lot of suffering in our country everywhere we go length and breadth of the nation i see mental health um i see suffering i see injustice i see unfairness i see people suffering whether it's Brixton or Harsden or Chelsea or Westminster to Newcastle, Manchester. All I see is people walking with their head down, spiritually bankrupt, uh, with, 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 with suffering with the global silent killer that is mental health. Um, and uh, so we need to we, we, we need to we need to try and help each other and we need to speak up and speak out about um, the injustices and the suffering that we see. Um, uh, around us in our communities, uh, the way we treat old people, for example. Well, how's um, your mum taking this? She must be worried sick. Uh, my mum's my mum's absolutely distraught at the moment. Yeah, my mum's absolutely <sighs> devastated. But with for them not to let me to go home to see her, and for her to be saying like, "Are you telling me that my son is not allowed to come home and, and see me?" And she and, and she said to her, well, "I have to speak to my manager about that." Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, she, she she just doesn't understand. She just can't. That's atrocious. And she just can't take it anymore. Yeah, it's this this it's, it's it's quite sad. The 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 pain of my loved ones troubles me greatly. Um, it it causes me deep sadness. Um, again, this is this is this is part of the sacrifice, you know, that that I, I, I've got myself into by speaking up. Um, ab uh, about these things, you know. Um, but we need to continue to 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 try and help each other to try and talk about issues in our communities and um i really believe that i really believe we 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 can we, we, we the the collective voice of, of oppression um in modern britain can be become a force to be reckoned with i really do people power um a million people marched uh, against the iraq war um, they still went and and and, and massacred uh, Iraq and Afghan Afghanistan anyway. Um, the, the, the million obviously wasn't enough, was it? You know, maybe we need more. Maybe we need more one day. I believe that we will walk one day um, as brothers and sisters in arms from Whitehall to Westminster to Hyde Park, um, uh, 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 leading um, something new. Um, some kind of revolution, some kind of new political movement. I, I believe that will happen one day, Sean, yeah. Well, so there you have it. A harrowing story with a sad ending and God knows what's going to happen next. So please, you know, support Pepsi. His links are down there in the description box. He definitely needs everybody's love and support right now. And I'm just deeply moved. So, put in the comments what you thought about this, and people are going to be worried about you now, wondering what's going to happen next. Um, huge thank you to Joe and James staying late tonight to film three podcasts in one day. <laughs> I promised them I would never do that again, and it's happened. A huge thank you to Pepsi for coming in. 
and just burying his soul and telling us about his important work. So, all right, give me, give me a hug, man. Cheers, Sean. Thank, yeah. Thanks, buddy. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for all your support. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, well, anytime, brother. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good luck with what you're doing, man. You too. Yeah, yeah.